Welcome to the Aaron Church Podcast, where our mission is bringing life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Each podcast episode features the latest talk from our church, which are released weekly. We're passionate about Jesus, love to worship together, and are committed to changing our community for the better. Connect with us at aaronchurch.com. respond to enthusiastically. But anyway, let's jump right into the scripture here. Matthew 10 verse 16 to 20 says this, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. That's that's encouraging for me whenever I get up here. Don't worry too much about what to say. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. We're looking at this whole subject, aren't we, of base camp, this idea that we are getting ready, we are gathering to go, we are getting ready to to reach new heights, to reach new summits, to step out in faith for new things. Base camp is that place where you acclimatise, you begin to breathe in the oxygen, you get used to the, uh, the difference in altitude, you share stories with each other, you inspire each other, you, uh, you, you get your heart ready for the challenge ahead. Now, I, I told you before, I'm actually climbing Kilimanjaro this year and uh, when you start preparing for something like that you begin to like learn things I had no that I had no idea about to do with altitude uh, it turns out that when you uh, go into places of high altitude you have to be very careful our subject today is all about being alert and there's this thing that sets in when you go to places of high altitude called hypoxia say with me hypoxia well done, very good. Um, and it's essentially what happens is your, the, the, the lower level of oxygen suppresses your body's ability to produce serotonin. Serotonin is the uh, neurotransmitter that gives us a sense of peace and a sense of calm and a sense of, of, of restfulness. And that kind of gets the levels of serotonin in your body get hijacked when you go anywhere between 2,000 and 3,000 feet. All of it goes kind of like, your your body just starts to go crazy. And so what happens is this thing sets in called cognitive decrement. I'm sounding much more intelligent than I am right now, but but I've just read this, okay? So don't, you know, don't think any more of me than that. I just happen to have studied this uh, in my preparation. But cognitive decrement essentially is your, what happens is your body's ability to react to things is massively reduced. So your reaction times are usually doubled, your alertness drops, uh, acute altitude sickness sets in and you become really dizzy a lot of the time. Now, Carolina and I used to live in, in Bogota, Colombia. Bogota is around 2,600 metres above sea level. Uh, it's one of the highest capital cities in the world. And we would often have people visit us. In fact, there, there are many of you here in this room who visited us when we lived out in Bogota. And it was always fascinating to see how people would respond because sometimes people would arrive and they'd be absolutely fine but then other times people would arrive and they would be they'd be so sick this like altitude sickness would kick in and they would be dizzy they'd be falling apart remember Miriam and like you know it'd just be like 
absolutely crazy. And then there's a tourist destination in Bogota uh, called Monserrate. It's a, it's, a, it's a monastery up on the mountains, and it's even higher. It's around 3,120 meters above sea level. When you go up to Monserrate, uh, even if you feel like you're okay in Bogota, suddenly it really kicks in, and you'll be like, you'll, you'll feel dizzy, you'll feel um, disoriented. And the other thing is that the lack of oxygen levels leaves you feeling really tired. You're just like, you think, oh, am I really this? Am I really this unfit? Because, because what you're usually accustomed to is different because the oxygen levels are so much less. So you might be thinking, well, why on earth are we talking about going up mountains? Surely that's really, really dangerous. Why would we ever want to do that? Well, the offset is incredible as well. When you go up a mountain, the views are literally breathtaking. Uh, the the, the uh, lowered oxygen actually causes heart disease risk to, to drop loads. There's all kinds of incredible things about being on a mountaintop. Anybody who's ever been to Switzerland or to the Alps or to any of these places, you know that it's so inspirational to see the views and you feel closer to God, don't you, in those places. But you see, here's the thing. When we look at the scriptures, we see that God takes people into these mountaintop experiences, whether it's Moses uh, called up to Mount Sinai to meet with the living God, or whether it's Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. There are all of these incredible mountaintop experiences, but we were never supposed to live on the mountaintop. We were never supposed to stay in that place. In fact, going back to that story where Jesus is transfigured, uh, Peter and the disciples, they're like, this is amazing. Let's, let's put up some tents and let's just stay here. Let's live here. Do you ever feel like that? You know, like when God's really moving and just like, oh my goodness, I just want to stay here because it's just so incredible. I feel like I could just reach out and touch heaven but we were never supposed to live in that place and the voice of God says to them this is my son listen to him and they had to go down from the mountain and face the things that they had to face and carry what had been put into them in those mountaintop experiences so that they could rescue those that were living in the valley And the same that was true for them is the same that is true for us. We are not supposed to live on the mountaintop. We're supposed to have those experiences and then go down. In fact, it's only when you're up the mountain that you you look around and you realise, you know what, there are higher mountains around here. And if I ever want to go up those mountains, I'm going to have to get down from this mountain. And so Jesus has spent the night in prayer on a mountain and then he gathers his disciples to him and he sends them out. And we've been learning about that, haven't we? We've been learning about how uh, they were the equipment that they needed. Just the fact that they'd been with Jesus was was enough. They were called to go and to be, uh, what theologians would say, incarnational with the people. They were they weren't supposed to go and stay in some like nice, the equivalent of the Hilton at the time. Becca was talking to us about that the other, the other week, wasn't she? They were supposed to go and to be with the people and to be there with them. And now Jesus, in his, um, in his roll call for them, gives them this incredible challenge. He says to them that I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Sheep, wolves, snakes, doves. It's like a whole menagerie of animals going on here, right? So what on earth is all of this about? Well, first of all, we need to realise Jesus was not sugarcoating anything here. Jesus, this was more like an army roll call than it was a call to join a country club. 
And I just want to apologise to you up front. As a preacher, as somebody standing on a stage, I'm sorry for all of the times that we sell this idea that when you come to Jesus, when you become a Christian, that everything's just going to be glorious and like everything's just going to be amazing. All of your problems are just going to disappear. And I think because we're so desperate to market the wonderful nature of um, what it is to follow Jesus, that we forget sometimes to tell people that actually following Jesus is a call to 100% surrender. While salvation is free, to be a disciple is going to cost you everything. It's going to be absolutely everything. Jesus is, he is a jealous God and he wants all of you. He doesn't want to just be Jesus incorporated into your, into your life where you just like add in a little bit of Jesus on a Sunday just so that you can feel a little bit better and then go into the rest of your world and it will not make any difference. No, he lays a claim on us that says, I want all of you. And if you want all of me, then you better be willing to give me all of you. Because when that happens, that's when the real adventure begins. And yet we so often treat like a country club, don't we? It's like, come along, you know, it's great. You can hang out with people. Uh, there's And it's free. Don't worry, there's no membership fee. It's all completely free. You can come. There's tea, there's cake. Uh, there's, there's midweek meetings. There's all of these different things. And, and we kind of sell it like that. You know, we do like, maybe now and again we'd say, you know, it'd be great if you'd be up for like giving into one of our social action programs or something. And, you know, heaven forbid that we would call it a tithe and offend anybody and make anybody want to like, you know, run away from our country club. But Jesus is like, no, 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 it's not a country club. It's an army. I am calling revolutionaries who are going to change the world. I'm calling you to step up and to be countercultural in a world that is drowning under its opulence and under its consumerism. I am calling you to stand up and show something different to the world. So I'm going to call you sheep among wolves. And, you know, we sometimes look at the idea of sheep and we think, oh, well, they're docile, they're kind of helpless animals. That's not how they saw sheep at the time of Jesus. Sheep were considered as sacred animals. They were the main animal that was sacrificed in the temple. But more importantly, even than that, is the fact that sheep were 100% dependent on their shepherd. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you into dangerous places. It is not going to be easy. There are going to be people who want to eat you alive. But you know what? I'm going to be with you. I am going to be right there alongside you. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an uncommon phrase. In fact, you know, we find that the, the rabbis talked a lot about this idea of sheep among wolves. In fact, in the Midrash, it says this, how great is the sheep that stands among 70 wolves? How great is the shepherd who rescues and guards it and who thwarts them from harming it. I was often referred to Israel amongst the nations that were hell bent on their destruction. Not a lot of things have changed there. But here Jesus is taking that concept and he's saying, I'm going to send you to your own people and there's going to be people there that are going to want to destroy you. But I'm going to be there with you. I apologise for the people who have heard me tell this story before. But, um, but when uh, when Caroline and I were dating, and when we lived in um, in Bogota, there was an area of Bogota that we worked into called El Cartucho. 
At that point in time, Bogota and Johannesburg were considered the two most dangerous cities in the world. And El Cartucho was the most dangerous part of Bogota. And so um, every day when we went into this place, we went in there with a certain amount of fear and trembling, crying out to God uh, for his protection. And there was one day when we went in to pick up the children that we were taking to um, a nursery into a school. And I went to pick up a girl called Margarita in one of the houses. And if you can imagine, the houses are like colonial Spanish, but, but completely falling apart. So you have like a, a courtyard that you would walk into and then there'd be lots of rooms all around. But they were complete DOS houses, basically. And so I went into the courtyard to pick up Margarita and in front of me there stood this guy and he looked wild, his eyes were on fire, his hair was all matted and uh, you could just tell that he was, uh, he was angry with the world and he was ready to explode. Uh, and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing here? We kill people like you. Yep, that's what he said. And um, I remember just like, at first, I, 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 we kind of got a little bit used to the death threats in El Cartucho. And I said to him, I said, yo no soy gringo, yo soy inglés. I'm not American, I'm English. Apologies if there are any American friends in here. But because of the uh, like international meddling with, uh, with things in Colombia, they've, they've got a bit of a distaste, but they love the English. So I'm like expecting to say, hey, Manchester United, David Beckham. And like, give me a, give me a big hug or something, but that's not what happened. He looked at me and said, I don't care. We hate people like you. And he reached for a machete that he had in his belt. I looked behind me and there were guys that had blocked off the exit from this courtyard. And I was so afraid. I was absolutely petrified. And um, I looked down at the floor. I had no idea what else to do, but I just remember saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, Help me. That's all I could kind of like muster in that moment. And to this day, over 20 years later, I still find it really difficult to say what happened. But the next thing I knew, I was outside over 50 metres away next to the minibus that we used to pick up the children to take them to the nursery. I don't know whether God closed my eyes to what happened and the guys that were there kind of uh, threatening me or whether an angel just came and like one of those machines at the fairground just like picked me up and went plonk and plonk me away from it. I have no idea what happened. All I know is that I was a sheep among wolves and my shepherd came and my shepherd rescued me in that moment and he turned it around and he promises to be there with us he promises that when we put ourselves in those places that he'll be there he didn't sugarcoat it he didn't he didn't say we'd be lions amongst wolves but neither did he say we'd be sheep amongst daisies so we should not be surprised when there are people that hate what we stand for we're sheep among the wolves Leonard Ravenhill great um a great revivalist said that if a Christian's not having tribulation in the world, there must be something wrong. Over the last century, like persecution against the church, not something confined to the history books. Over the last century, it's believed that over 45 million Christians have been killed for their faith. Just in the last century, 3 million during the time of uh, Nazi Germany. And during that time, amazingly, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the people who uh, started the confessing church in Germany that stood up against the Nazi regime, days before his death, wrote in his book, he wrote, we are called to disarm the world, not through our 
weapons, but through our love. And so this is so important that whilst Jesus sends them out with incredible authority and incredible power, it is not the power like the world has. He says, go, but don't go with weapons. Go, but go with a subversive power of love that will disarm your enemy, that will cause them to have to fall down before the power of that love that never fails. And that's what you and I are called to go out to do, whether that is in the middle of gulags in Siberia, behind the iron or the bamboo curtain, or whether that is simply in our places of work, standing up and saying, I refuse to compromise my values and my belief system. I refuse to let that go. I'm going to be a light in this dark place. Which takes me on to the next thing that Jesus says. He says, I want you to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Now, the Greek word for that word shrewd there is this word, it means practically wise. It means sensible. He's essentially saying, don't be naive. Don't be naive to what is going on around you. Be aware of it. Don't be ignorant to the enemy's plans. As, uh, as uh, the usual suspects, Kaiser Sozi says, while well, he is in the police interrogation office, the best trick that the devil ever played was to convince the world that he didn't exist. We live in a culture that believes that lie. And we are called to step out fully aware of the enemy's plan, fully aware of what he intends to do so that we can bring those lies down and make them obedient to the knowledge of Christ. So being as shrewd as a serpent means that we recognise the, the, the fiction that is presented as fact that causes us to question the goodness of God. And we're able to not be beguiled by that, but we're able to see it and not only not fall and succumb to that lie, but also we're able to expose the futility of it to rescue other people. So we're told to be as shrewd as serpents, but as innocent as doves. And the word for innocent, atareos in Greek, it actually means to be pure without any mixed motives. We all know what it's like, don't we, when we meet someone and you know they've got an ulterior motive. You know, you meet somebody that is uh, like in sales and they can be as friendly as they want to be. They can be talking to you about their, about your family and everything, but you know, don't you, at any moment they're going to be like, so what do you think about this product? And they're going to like try and you know that there's that like mixed motive. We're called to not have that. Whilst absolutely Jesus is the most important element of our lives, we're supposed to be all about loving people no matter what. People of all faiths and no faith, we are not supposed to change in the way that we act around them. We are supposed to show the love of God to the people around us. So my message today is we cannot live in that place on the mountaintop where we just are coming to a church on a Sunday morning, letting our emotions be tickled, enjoying the presence of God. If that is not changing us and, it, and propelling us out into the mission of God, there is something that is very, very wrong. There is something that is very wrong. We need to take what happens on the mountain and not let it stay on the mountain. We have to take what happens here in our gatherings and we have to go out into the world and be salt and be light and to be the difference in a world that is desperate to see God at work. We need to wake up because we have been hanging out for too long at the top of the mountain and it's caused hypoxia to set in, hypocrisia to set in as well. It's caused it to set in and to make us dull 
apathetic, sleepy, so in love with comfort, so in love with just, well, I don't want to do anything that is going to make me uncomfortable. I loved it when, I loved it when Alana said to the kids, oh, who wants to volunteer? And boom, every hand went up. And I turned around to Gareth and I said, wouldn't it be great if that happened when we asked for volunteers in all of the other things that we do in the community, around the world, on a Sunday morning? This doesn't happen just like by magic. People come, people get up early in the morning and come and get here early to do the sound, to put stuff out, to make the teas and coffees, to prepare incredible stuff for our children, prepare incredible stuff for our young people. It doesn't just happen. Those CAP clients that we celebrated getting free from debt on social media this week, it didn't just happen like that. It's because people are giving of their time. And I know so many of you are doing that. And please, this isn't meant to be in any way judgmental. But what would it look like if every one of us stood up and said, I'm going to live my life for you, Jesus. I'm going to step out. I'm going to be that sheep among the wolves. I'm going to go out with that kind of attitude. I refuse to just stay here on the mountaintop. I refuse to stay in this place of dizziness and this place where, where, where I can't even breathe properly. I'm going to take all that you've done for me, God, and I'm going to step out and I'm going to change the world. This year, it's all about awakening. This year that is the, is the Jewish year, 5,782. And let's let me geek out for one moment. 5,782 is that every Hebrew word has a, a, a number that corresponds with it. 5,782. Anybody want to hazard a guess to what the, 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 the Hebrew word for that number is? It's the word, you know, because I told you. It's the word awaken. God is awakening his church. God is moving at the moment. He is saying, come on, let's wake up. The alarm bells are sounding. So come on, let's shake yourself. If you want to be awake, stand up to your feet and let's, let's pray that God continues to shake us. Holy Spirit, as the band comes up and as they pray and saves me from myself, Lord God, I pray that you would just move amongst us, that you would shake us out of our apathy. God, that you would, you would propel us into all that you have for each one of us. We're tired, God. We're tired tired of just going through the motions. I do not want us to just play church. I don't want us to just go through business as usual. God, we want to see a revolution that changes planet earth, that causes heaven and earth to come and to mix in and blend as one. So spirit of the living God, would you equip us right now? Would you anoint us right now? Lord, for anybody that's feeling dry in this place, God, I pray that they would breathe in the pure oxygen of heaven and allow you just to cause fire to rise up within their soul, Lord God, a fire that cannot sleep, that cannot be put out, that propels them out, Lord God, in a way like they have never experienced before. Spirit of God, would you move in this place? And as we worship you now, Lord God, as we lift up your name, we believe you draw close as we draw near to you. So God, would you draw near to us right now, Lord God? Would you challenge us right now to the core, Lord God? Would you, would you, would you shake us out of this idea that our life is our own and we can do whatever we want with it. We have been bought with a price. We belong to you, Jesus. So Spirit of God, would you awaken that again? Lord God, wake up the sleeping giant in this place. Wake it up, Lord God. Wake up the sleeping giant in this place. Let courage arise, Lord God. Let courage arise in this place, Lord God. In Jesus' name, let's worship Him as we go out from this place.